Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 171, episode 171. So we are in the last week of uh, Ordinary Time, the um, 34th week. Um, Last week was, I think, the 33rd, right? And so, yes, which now we are in the last week of ordinary time, which means it's the feast of Christ the King. The day dedicated to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and he is King of the universe. So, um, I know you are familiar with Jewish practices and prayers whenever... They're going to give thanks, let's say, by a, a cup of wine. At, they would say, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us the fruit of the of the vine of the earth. You know, and that basically is a, a blessing, they would say. Um, so, let's, uh, before we begin, please subscribe and share. So, let's begin with... Um, the opening prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray. With me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father, Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Okay, the first reading is from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven when he reached the ancient one who was presented before him. The one like a son of man received dominion, glory, kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away, and his kingship shall not be shall not be destroyed. One more time. Uh, reading from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one, and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Psalm 93. And the response is, the Lord is king, and he is he is robed in majesty. The Lord is king in splendor, robed. Robed is the Lord and girt about with strength. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. And he has made the world firm, not to be moved. Your throne stands firm from of old. 
from everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. Your decrees are worthy of trust, of trust indeed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, for length of days. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. So, one more time. Psalm 93. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is king, in splendor robed. Robed is the Lord and girt about with your with, with length. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. And he has made the world firm, not to be moved. Your throne stands firm from of old. From everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. Your decrees are worthy of trust indeed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, for length of days. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. So we have here a psalm that most psalms, and that's the beauty about the, 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 the prayer book of Israel, is it always, with it, it ha it's basically meant for chant, but there's also, there's a lot of wisdom in it, and there's a lot of deep expression in it. There's a lot of uh, deep emotion in these, in these prayers. And prayer, I think that's the point of it, is to teach us how to, to put our emotion, to put our, our whole self into the prayer. It, it, it's, it deeply expresses it expresses the deep feeling, the longing for God. But also the lesson, the lesson much of it is that no human king is ever going to be able to fulfill what people want. No ruler on earth, no earthly king, no ruler on earth, no one is ever going to be what we want them to be. Not the king of England or the queen of England, not the any political leader, no, whatever, elected by a, cons a constitutional government, no um, Marxist, socialist or communist leader or government is ever going to be able to meet what everyone wants. It's never going to happen. There is no paradise on earth. The only one who can make paradise on earth is God. Human beings will always come up with some blasphemous idea there's always going to be uh some racism some bigotry some form of dislike some uh you're always going to have some anarchist you're always going to have some some form of perversion you're always going to have some form of uh of hate there's always going to be uh the rich are always going to have their own biases and, 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 and bigotry. There's always going to be something. Someone is always going to think that someone else is, is ruining or ruining it for them. And that's that's the problem. Human beings do not want to acknowledge or recognize that. But God is king and God is perfect. And this is what the Psalm is trying to teach us. All right, let's uh, move on to the second reading. This passage from the book of Daniel is the most popular of all prophecies. The, the book of Daniel almost didn't make it into the canon of Israel um, because some of the, um, well, the rabbis had a problem. Uh, Daniel's book uh, was written outside of the Holy Land. It was probably one of the first prophets written in a foreign land of captivity, of, uh, especially in Babylon. Of, in Babylon, And according to um, another argument, was some parts of Daniel were written in Aramaic, not Hebrew. Which bothered a lot of a lot of uh, Jewish scholars, rabbinical scholars about that. But 
thankfully and luckily, it made it into the Jewish canon. It made it in there. I mean, there's Hebrew in it in some passages. The rest seems to be all in Aramaic. And that really puzzled the rabbis, but it made it. It made it into the canon. The image of this Son of Man, the title Son of Man, is a divine image. A divine image. One who is going to take his place, is going to take his seat. He presents himself. Basically, the image is saying, God presents himself, stands before God, and takes his seat at the right hand of God. And we've heard passages in the Psalms, your th- your God, your throne, O God. Who who is talking to who? Who is this individual? Is you know in in the Psalm. Your throne, God, your throne, O God, stands forever. It's like God is talking to God, or the individual is acknowledging God, and then acknowledging God. And this is the point here, is that God is going to give his throne to a divine individual with human, with a human nature. And this basically is, 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 is the most scandalous thing, especially since the charges against Jesus was most definitely the fact that he took upon himself the title. One could say, yeah, he appropriated it from a human aspect. He appropriated a title from the book of Daniel. When he stood in front of the Sanhedrin, Caiaphas asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And he answered, I am. He didn't just say, I am. He used the words, I am, from the burning bush. I am. Caiaphas tore his robe in shock. Might have been a little dramatic, perhaps, but he tore his robes. And then Jesus sealed it with, and you shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. All right, coming on the clouds of heaven. He took this passage. The one, you know, you know, one like the Son of Man, uh, clouds, the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he, you know, and then he goes on, you know, he, his dominion, he added the part, his dominion is an everlasting dominion and shall not be taken away. meaning he'll rule for eternity. Jesus practically sealed his own death by taking these passages and using them. This, this is it. This is the, the, the you could say, the, the nail to the cross. We don't understand it. We have a hard time comprehending it. If you have faith, you'll accept it. You won't argue with it because you know who Jesus is. If you don't believe, you'll, well, there's nothing one can do about that. It bothers a lot of people. Today, it still bothers Jews. Why did they reject him? Well, one of the arguments... I think we can say is that the there were certain people within the ruling class one they had a deep prejudice against him 
They had a deep prejudice because they already had a preconceived notion in their head what the Messiah should look like, what the Christ should be. He came from Nazareth. He came from a region that is so cosmopolitan. He didn't have all the qualities of the son of David. He didn't come in robed majesty like a Solomon. He was also the son of a carpenter's son, even though you probably could look up his family tree and you could definitely confirm that he is a son of David. Now, what else is there? If, if let's say his appearance is so contradictory, but his background fits in perfectly and there were passages that says that the Messiah will come from, from a region of Galilee. And let's say he was born in Bethlehem. Born in Bethlehem, but then raised in Galilee. What's the problem? What's the problem? Well, let's look at it this way. What if, on the other hand, both, let's say, in the Pharisee camp and in the Sadducee camp, they don't want things to change. They don't want the temple rituals to stop. They don't want the political power structure they have. For the Messiah to come, all the rabbis have said that it would put an end to the sacrificial practices of the temple. That all that would be left was the sacrifice of bread and wine, which was the original sacrifice that Adam used to offer to God in the garden. What we've said it before, and many scholars said, it, even Scott Hahn has said it, that Adam was a high priest and that the real offering of Eden was not, of course we know it wasn't the blood offering sacrifice of animals because one, <clears throat> animals, they're not human. Not human. And first of all, there was no another thing, there was no death. There was no death. So what was the original offering of thanksgiving to God? Adam was a priest. We know by the words when we because it doesn't really translate well in English, but the word to till, <clears throat> to cultivate and take care of the ground were high priestly words to till and take care of the temple. There's a different word for cultivating for a farmer, but the words that were used were describing, according to Scott Hahn and uh, uh, Brant Petrie and others, they basically were words of high priestly responsibilities. When they ate the forbidden fruit, the serpent beguiled them and tricked them, they lost the high priestly position which was in Eden. Adam lost it. And the next thing what happened was, was they lost also that very important thing they used to do to present the bread and wine. They used to present God the sacrifice, the sacrificial offering of bread and wine of thanksgiving that was gone, taken from them. When Moses and Aaron came along and they began to slowly bring back restoration, well, I'm jumping ahead. When Adam met Melchizedek, the mysterious Melchizedek in, in, in uh, I'm sorry, when Abraham met the mysterious Melchizedek in his days, 
Melchizedek presented bread and wine. And he blessed Abraham, anointed Abraham. Basically, when, when, when it says he blessed Abraham, what he really did was he anointed and gave Abraham the high priestly blessing. Now, this is a mysterious figure We that appears once in the book of Genesis. The second time we hear of him was in the psalm. And then the next time we hear of Melchizedek is in the, in the letter to the Hebrews. Okay, so this is a mysterious figure. He was the high priest of Jerusalem, or it was Salem, which is basically Jerusalem. Some say he might have been Christ himself appearing. Some say it might have been one of Noah's sons. It's unclear. But he came out to meet Abraham. He blessed Abraham. He came out, he brought bread and wine and had an altar built. And he, he basically gave the high priestly blessing. This was passed down to his sons. And then when the portable tabernacle was built in the days of Moses and Aaron, an altar was set in the Holy of Holies on the side, a golden altar gold covering wood gold covering wood on that gold and on that wood table that golden wooden table was bread and wine placed there 12 lobes 12 lobes and at the end of every week new bread is baked and the priest and the priest would line up and each one would take a bite uh, uh, eat some eat a bread some bread and drink some wine they got so large the priesthood that there had to be more stacks it had to represent for each tribe and they would have to consume the bread and new wine and new bread would have to be placed there for the following week. So when the curtain was ripped, it was ripped basically in the area where the blood sacrifice had to be made. But the bread and wine still remained. So you see, this... Um, This was this can only be fulfilled by the Messiah, by the Christ, by the King that's to come. And Jesus himself fulfilled it, that we now live in the Messianic age. I mean, we're living in the Messianic age. He, the throne hasn't been set up. The throne has to be set up at the end. Where all can see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the, that's the point of it. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So that's what we're going to find out in the next passage here. The We're going to find out now, let's say, in exactly what we're going, you know, how we're going to interpret this. So let's move on to the next reading. Second reading, a reading from the book of Revelation or the Apocalypse. Chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. That's the original name, Apocalypse. But uh, everybody has a negative attitude to the word Apocalypse. But the word Revelation pre pretty much means what Apocalypse is. It's to reveal. And is actually was a uh, Hellenistic word for a marriage. And what does it end up with? It ends with the new br the bride, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to meet her bridegroom, her husband. Okay, let's begin. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has 
freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us into a kingdom, a priest's, for his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming amid the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the peoples of the earth will lament him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord. God, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Okay, one more time. Okay, reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. The ruler of kings of the earth has made us into a kingdom of priests for his God and Father. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us into a kingdom. Priests for his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming amid the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the peoples of the earth will lament him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So the second reading confirms what we're talking about. That one, he is Christ is the faithful one, the firstborn of the dead, meaning the first uh, in order to break death. Uh, it's in interesting. I heard a, um, uh, a theologian and a priest explain one of the interesting things, the Greek, is, the English is so, unfortunately, it doesn't, it, does, it doesn't do any justice to some translations, to what some languages say. Um, he, it says here in the book of Revelation that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead and ruler of the kings of the earth. When Christ resurrected Lazarus, when he presented himself, when he came to Lazarus' tomb, and it says in the text that he was moved, that he was that Jesus was moved. He was heartbroken over Lazarus' death. It, the Greek is so... It, it's the the word that's used there, and I don't read Greek. I, I wish, uh, especially the Greek of the, of the New Testament, it's loaded with so much emotion. It wasn't just sadness and weeping. He was also filled with great revulsion. And this revulsion was over death. It was death. He came to defeat death. He came to break death. And that's that's what he did. And when he stood in front of Lazarus' tomb, uh, and in, finally he, he cried out, Lazarus, come forth, come out. And he who was dead for four days came out. The four days, of course, represents the uh, the four Gospels that will, in a sense, you know, also, it kind of represented the four corners of the earth, that, that Christ himself will rule every corner of the earth. And he had to show this, he had to do this, he had to, he, he had to wait four days so that um, one, he rose in three days because, you know, he, he came out in three days because in representation, the unity of the Trinity. It wasn't, this wasn't just the will of the Father or the will of the Son alone, but it was the will of the Holy Spirit. 
the four days for Lazarus, the, the reason why Lazarus was fourth day, because it also represents the four gospels that will pre that will go out to the four corners of the earth to fulfill the will of Christ. And it will convert, it will, you know, it will it will bring souls from all four corners of the earth under the, under the reign of the King of Kings, which is Jesus. But he's also, <clears throat> it says here, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us into a kingdom of priests for his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. And then he goes on, behold, he is coming amid the clouds. It was ref it's, it's making a reference to Daniel. And every eye will see him and those who pierced him and all the people of the earth will lament him. Yes, amen. So, a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. So, he, he is the king of kings. And he also is the high priest. He will, like I said, no, no socialist ruler is ever going to make anyone happy. No constitutional ruler in a constitutional country like America is, or parliamentary system like in England or anywhere is ever going to fit the perfect ruler. Just can't. Just won't. Because it won't happen. They're always going to disappoint you. Regardless what revolutionists or anybody wants, there's never going to be a perfect, a perfect government, a perfect kingdom ruled by men. It only has to be by the Son of God. All we can do while the time we have is try to bring the gospel and try to bring to 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 be salt and light to the nations. Okay, to try to bring people to the good, to bring good in their lives, to bring, to bring good in their families, to bring the gospel so they can become disciples and members of the kingdom that's to come. Christ. All right, let's move on to the gospel. Okay, the gospel reading First, the Alleluia is from uh, the Alleluia Antiphon is from Mark. Uh, it's, it's from Mark, uh, chapter eleven, verse nine and ten. Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David, that is to come. Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David, that is to come. Alleluia, Alleluia. Okay, and the gospel reading is from the Gospel of John. Gospel according to St. John, chapter 18, verses 33 to 37. You say I am king. A reading from the gospel according to St. John. Pilate said to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king? Jesus answered, You say I am king. For this, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Okay, one more time. Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? 
Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king? Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, the Gospel reading is this famous passage where Jesus is in front of Pilate. It's probably the most uh, probably detailed out of all the the Gospels. More detailed than all the synoptic. Of course, in the one of the synoptic passages, it says that uh, Pilate knew that they handed Jesus over out of jealousy. A lot of modern scholars uh, always wanted to say that they saw that the Romans saw Jesus as a, as a threat. I I don't believe that because he never said anything against Rome. The 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 Pharisees and this and the and the uh, the high priest. Uh, Caiaphas and Annas, they had to come up with something to to say to to in, to get the Romans uh, to get Pilate to do something to take action against Jesus, and they had to bring up the charge that he uh, they tried to say he tried to prevent taxes like for Caesar, uh, you know, which which he never did because all he said was. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar and what belongs to God to God. Pilate himself probably most likely would have had one of his um, secret undercover spies to to see what all the fuss was all about. The charge was very the the, the comment was very clear. It was never to not, to never stop paying taxes to Caesar. Um. In none of the four Gospels did it ever even say that the Romans remotely saw him as a threat at all. He wasn't even close. They never even, uh, there was never any, any, uh, you know, what do you call it, direct uh, confrontation at all. The main problem here was he was undermining the authority of the Pharisees who had control over the synagogues. And then he basically got the attention of, of Annas and Caiaphas when he trashed the, the money changers, the marketplace in near the temple, which was right in the courtyard, close to the courtyard at least. And that was... That was their uh, their money making scheme. It was a money making scheme. People would come with their sacrifices, and then they would be told that their lamb or their goat was uh, was not fit for sacrifice. Buy a sacrifice from us. They would bring their lamb from home, which was according to what Moses wanted. But Caiaphas and Annas decided, "We'll take care of the lamb for you. Buy from our flock." And that's, it became a money-making scheme. The money changers, of course, the people had to change their Roman money to temple money, which was another big, big thing, basically. Um, and then, of course, the you had to pay the temple tax. That's another thing you had to pay. You had to pay the temple tax. Uh it was, you know, it was all, you know, it became a business thing. Before you could even get to the temple, you're hit with the marketplace. And this is what I was saying, that Jesus was a threat to the status quo of the uh, of, of both the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
and you know basically the high priesthood remember the high priesthood was was basically the candidates was presented one by Herod Antipas he had uh, a position this was you know who he which candidate he chose to uh, to for you know to present it to the Romans and then uh, and then of course um, the Romans had to decide which one was let's say workable workable would do would do what he's supposed to do and one of the things that they had to do was one please Herod and please the Herods two please the Romans and three Make sure you keep the zealots in control. You keep the people in control. And remember, if you don't please the Romans, the Romans can say no. And they could pick somebody else that they feel could be, could do the job. Well, this basically was the situation. It was Jesus coming along and revealing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the hypocrisy of the priesthood, of the, the men who ruled the temple. How they basically were, were, were a stumbling block to the people's spiritual lives. And also they refused to see the signs of the times. So they present Jesus before Pilate. We have Jesus standing before Pilate and Pilate asked him if he's the king of the Jews. Jesus is basically not denying that he's king of the Jews. He just wants to know, why are you asking this question? Are you asking it because you, you are told that I'm king of the Jews or because you asking if I'm king of the Jews? And Pilate said, am I a Jew? I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed over you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to the world, my subjects would have fought for me to prevent me from being taken captive. Of course, Pilate said, then you are a king. And Jesus answered him, you say, I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Of course, the next part, Pilate asks, what is truth? Now, Jesus is king and Pilate is just curious he's actually more curious about this person that's standing in front of him he doesn't feel any threats he doesn't sense any threats I mean he sees him bruised and beaten and he's hearing him what he's thinking that he could think easily that this guy might be a, uh, an over-the-top philosopher maybe an over-the-top holy man maybe who takes himself too serious, an eccentric, maybe. Uh, but he never really, I think, saw any threats to him, threats coming from him. He only was amused, actually, that both the, he was probably amused and curious more about what the Pharisees and the high priests and why they see him such a threat. Remember, they're the ones that handed over to handed over Jesus to Pilate. When they went to arrest him, there were temple guards and there were also Roman guards there, mainly as muscle to scare anyone who dares to oppose the high priest. The high priest's own guards was not a threat to the people. But if you see Romans attending with the high priest guards in the garden and going through the streets, the people would be less likely to want to start a fight. The Roman guards would have to not get involved in the arrest. The same way um, if John the Baptist, when John the Baptist got arrested, it was most likely Herod's guards, Herod's soldiers that probably did the arrest. For the Romans to get involved, it would be crossing the line. It would be basically kind of like violating the local laws. They don't want to get involved with the people's local religious disputes. This is why I think most people, most scholars, I think, always get themselves into trouble. The Romans didn't care about the local religion. They didn't care about the local religious disputes. They just wanted you to keep paying the tax and you can worship whatever you want to worship. 
But in this case, Pilate just was curious. I mean, he had he had the Pharisee, the, the Pharisees and the high priests and the Sadducees. They're all a headache to him, including the zealots, including Herod is a headache to him. He had to uh, go through all these local customs and, and religious things, basically. <clears throat> but he was curious. Someone actually other than himself, other than the Romans, was ruffling their feathers. And that was interesting to him. And what we are seeing here is that Jesus is king. And here he basically has someone asking him questions, curious about what is going on here. What is it that you have done that got them so angry that they want me to kill you? They chose me. Because first of all, the Romans couldn't, I mean, the Jews could not just execute anyone. They couldn't, not without Roman permission. And that's what Pilate knows. They, the, the uh, capital punishment law was taken from them. All right, it has to go through a Roman court. It should go through a Roman court, even including when you want to stone somebody, it has to go through a Roman court. It's interesting. I mean, a lot of this stuff, we can go on forever, but we know one thing's for certain. That Jesus is king. And everyone, everyone basically is subject to him, including Pilate, including Caiaphas and Annas, including the Pharisees. And all the kings of the earth, as well as it says in the book of Revelation, all the kings of the earth must bow down to him. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the closing prayers. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Okay, we'll say a, uh, a Hail Mary uh, for those who passed, for those who passed away. Um, it could be for anyone's family members, uh, loved ones, uh, husband, wife, children, grandparents, Cousins, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Um, Hail Mary for anyone who's sick. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. And we'll say one for the Pope and for the bishops and cardinals and priests. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. And we'll say one for uh, missionaries. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And let's pray for the uh, forgotten souls in purgatory. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And let's say one for uh, unity uh, among Catholics. I know there's a lot of division going on now because of what's happened with the Norbus Ordo and the, the Latin Mass. Uh, let's pray for unity among uh, our, own, our own church. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Let's pray for those who are the catechumens, those who will be coming into the, the faith in Easter. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And let's pray with those who are struggling with addiction, uh, drugs, and alcohol. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And uh, let's pray for those who are struggling with pornography uh, and those um, struggling with, uh, with various uh, sins of the flesh. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's say a Hail Mary for all of us, for our local parish, our local, our local uh, neighborhood parishes, diocese. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And also, let's say a Hail Mary for uh, families who are struggling financially, as well as um, troubled families. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Okay, um, let's also say a St. Michael prayer. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who proud the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless. And um, I'll try to put a, a podcast before Thanksgiving. And um, happy Thanksgiving to everyone around. And a safe one with you and your families. Amen.